and welcome to another episode of the Thank Your Pain podcast, where we take the painful moments in our lives and realize the lessons and blessings from them to help inspire other people. And today I have with me Mr. Jonathan Palmer, content creator, mastermind of LinkedIn, works with Shay Robottom, a huge LinkedIn influencer on helping um, companies and individuals create authentic video content that actually gets attention. And I brought Jonathan on today because he is just an authentic individual himself. He's an open book, willing to talk about his lessons in life. And he had a really amazing post last week that I think a lot of our male listeners will be able to relate to. So today we are going to go over the different things about toxic masculinity, um, things about infertility, and just what it actually means to be a man. So welcome, Jonathan. Thank you for being here. And for those of um, us who may not be familiar with you, if you want to give us a little bit of a rundown and we can kind of go from there. I am definitely a jack of all trades, master of none. I was a WWE professional wrestler. No, then you weren't. I, yes, I definitely was. And this then is I already became, great. <laughs> and then I kind of like, I took a, a bizarre uh, road. I, I, I didn't make it as a wrestler. And that's, that's a totally other story. And uh, then I became a forensic accountant. I got my degree. I became an accountant, right? <laughs> And uh, very like that was like the Clark Kent stage of my journey, and then um, I emerged as uh, Superman in the in the marketing world as on LinkedIn, uh, developing video content. I, that's where I really feel like I was able to combine both of those experiences and find my voice. Um, but there have been some challenges along the way that have uh, really challenged uh, everything, and these are things that are that are very personal to me. So I'm really grateful to be here to to talk about some of that today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a that's a wild ride already from wrestler to accountant, complete 360. And now, now we do video. You know, you're kind of like The Rock almost. You know, <laughs> just uh, The Rock uh, Palmer. You know, uh, the right, a, a quarter, Palmer. A, a quarter of the talent. A quarter of the talent. A lot more <laughs> hair, but uh, yeah, you know, it's it's definitely it's definitely been quite the ride. So it's okay. You have the eyebrows of a wrestler. Like yes, I could, I definitely you, do. like your it's, eyebrows could just like yes. kick someone's ass. <laughs> that's what they say to me right now like oh right but, a lot of expression a lot of yeah, expression it's good um but wow so there's there's a lot of story between that so what was the point in your life when you went from like wrestler to accountant and what was yeah can you just tell us that a little bit it's so much deeper than that because it actually like starts way before there mm -hmm. you know i think that it's so interesting that you brought up the to topic of, of toxic masculinity because i can remember when i was much younger what what made me gravitate to professional wrestling was i was bullied perpetually as a child i was bullied so much and a lot of it had to do with the fact that I did not look tough. I was not, oh. I wasn't very tall. I wasn't very big. I, I was actually chubby. I was like a chubby kid and I was a very sensitive kid. I took four years of uh, home ec. I, I loved my cooking courses. When I was a young boy, very young, I wanted to be a chef. But I remember that the kids uh, made fun of me because I always wanted to be like with the girls. I wanted to be in the kitchen. I, I just naturally gravitated more towards that. And then I started getting into sports. I had a growth spurt. Now I'm, I'm pretty tall. I'm six foot two. I'm a, I'm a bigger guy. Um, but then I, I felt like I couldn't be myself. So I got into sports so that I could fit in, right? And then as I matured, then, you know, like pro wrestling really started to pull at me because I loved the way that The Rock was so confident on the, on the microphone. I loved his confidence. But 
also it's like, you know, you start to recognize as you get older, it's like, okay, those types of things do not define me as a man. Those don't make me a man, you know, being a big guy or tough or, you know, like all those things, they're silly because those aren't the things that resonate the most. But yeah, so I, I was bullied a lot. That's what led to me becoming a wrestler. I got to be on television, work with my heroes. But then again, when I was backstage at the WWE, there was a pressure to be a man. You need to be bigger. You need to be stronger. You need to be faster. And it, even in the locker room, there was a lot of this alpha male energy, you know, where it was about the top dog. It was the toughest guy in the room. And in a sport that is orchestrated, where they determine the winner, guess what? The toughest guy is the champion. Mm. So it's just like, it was like high school all, all over again. And now that I've been able to become an adult and, you know, like now I've kind of grown, some of the mistakes that I made younger have caused me to not be able to reproduce, which is oh, the biggest really? sign of being a man, right? Is the, the act of having children. So it's just like, if there is an... <laughs> an underlying theme to my entire life it's I want to be a man I want to be a man I want to be a man now I made some mistakes now I don't know if I can ever be a man and it really does challenge you emotionally it makes you rethink what was this whole journey about so wow okay so there's there's a lot of things in there first of all thank you for sharing that <laughs> um so I want to touch back on like a few of those things so because you know you liked cooking and expressing yourself in that creative fashion you were you were bullied and made fun of and you were small and all that whole time it was you felt like i'm not a man because of right. these things and so even in wrestling too they it was like never good enough but the reason you even right. wanted to become a wrestler on top of it just being like a boy sport or portrayed as such was because you what you really wanted was the confidence that you saw portrayed on TV by The Rock. Yes, yes, yes. Which essentially what you found out was just all an act anyway. Yes. Okay. Yes. So I think the reason why I'm highlighting that is because what quote unquote is being a man, you know? And so what a lot of us I think strive for is not being a man or a female, it's being confident, being, being very confident in who we are and those people who we see as that become what we want to be like. We want to do those things because we think doing those things is what creates that confidence. Right, right. And you actually find a correlation between, and, and I say this all the time, <clears throat> you know, the most confident men that I know are some of the smallest, some of the, the most gentle, some of the most, you know, like they, they're not the biggest guy in the gym, if anything, and I'm going on record saying this, the biggest guy in the gym is often the most insecure. Yeah. They get to the point, they get to the point, like they have a severe chip on their shoulder, which drives them to put on all this extra muscle, all this extra size, because they're battling with some insecurity within themselves. And like nine times out of 10, you do see this habit that it's these insecurities, it's this lack of, you know, self-appreciation, this lack of confidence that causes them to, to almost develop a wall within their body, this shield, this armor to protect themselves from the outside world. And that, that has always intrigued me, but I've learned so much more about it being a part of that, you know, myself. Yeah, and, and you're totally right. The, what we hold inside of us will manifest physically, whether it's like we do it to ourselves through the gym or it's a backache or it's a leg pain, just like these things will come up if we continue to ignore them. And so right. 
but you bring that up it you know i see it in like ceos too people who are workaholics i've been i've done that before too like doing better and better and better in my job because that's how i found validation and i'm sure a lot of people in the gym because that's what we validate as a society how we look oh if the if the man is a man he has to be masculine it's like it's survival it's biological but we don't live in that day and age anymore so we have to redefine what is a man and so you know just going back to that um, I really want to get into the journey that you've been through recently talking about infertility and what do you, can I ask, like, what do you mean when you say, because of the mistakes I made, I'm now infertile? What happened that, that caused that? There's, it's interesting. And again, this is like highly controversial topic, but I'm going to be very straight with you. Um, a part of becoming a wrestler was putting on a lot of muscle that, I did not 100% earn. And what I mean is I took like anabolic supplements, you know, that, you know, we weren't necessarily pressured to take it by anybody at the company, but, you know, you saw the other guys doing it. You knew it was a part of the culture. So, you know, I started injecting myself with some of these things in my early 20s. And what a lot of men don't, what a lot of men think, and they don't talk about this kind of stuff. You don't hear it a lot. People think, okay, you know, the telltale signs of drug abuse are acne, hair loss, you know, some of those types of things. A lot, what they don't talk about is the probability of creating infertility, you know, because basically it's like when women take birth control, you're shutting down your natural system and to jumpstart it, depending on how much you've abused it, there is a chance where the, it won't come back. And uh, nobody told me that. I had nobody there to talk to me about it. And I, I, I hope that some of your listeners really reevaluate some of this because Nobody that was there to explain this to me. So I took these supplements for a couple of years to become the biggest guy because I felt pressure to be a man. And then, you know, a couple of years ago, I had stopped for quite a long time. <clears throat> I decided I wanted to have children. I had a wife. And uh, so we started to try. And what I noticed is, is that it wasn't happening. But like a year passed, no luck. And then I was like, there's something really wrong here, you know? So then when we went to the doctors, the, the worst news was, well, they told me that like I had zero sperm, just like none, right? Which is like a very scary thought because your whole life you thought, ah, you know, like I just, I don't want to have kids. But when you, when you finally make the decision that you do want it to find out the fact that you can't, then it's like, it's, it's devastating news. You're like, well, how is this even possible? And then they start checking the list and they start checking back and say, okay, have you done this? Have you done that? And they were like, oh, okay, you did this. Well, there's your answer. So then of course there was a lot of, you know, answer questions there. But the worst part about it is because I didn't get any of these hormone tests done before I started abusing some of these supplements, there's no way of telling. What if I've been infertile since birth? We'll never know. So now it's like you, you really have to look internally and say to yourself, you know, I fought my entire life to be a man. And now like the biggest sign of a man is having a child and, and being able to take care and, you know, like legacy and all these things that we always think about. Now I can't. So, so it's like you battle your whole life to be a man and now I can't be anyways. So it's just very like it's, it's poetically ironic the way that everything's worked out. Right. Well, the ironic part is, is that the entire, like the entire um, theme of life was trying to be a man. But if you take a step back, did you ever have to be anything more than what you were to be that? No, 
I don't no. think, you know, like, do you think you had to be a wrestler to be a man? Do you think you had to quit cooking? Do you think that, do you think that men who don't have children or can't have children aren't men? Right. Now, now I realize at the time it was something that I fought with a lot. And this is, a, you know, this is something that I would encourage anybody. If you're going to go public with something very personal like that, create some distance between you and the event. You know, like that, that's a conversation that was emotional for me, you know, seven or eight months ago when I first discovered it. But now that I've had some time to like reflect on it, I'm like, okay, you know, even the negative comments I received, they're not going to penetrate me the same way. So, you know, now that a lot of, some time has passed, it's like, I do recognize like, that's not what defines me as a man. You know, it's like, there are other things. There's adoption. There's, you know, there's so many other options that we have as potential parents that I could, I could look into and it doesn't. But you know, I think, it, but yeah, like I could have, I could have been the chef. I could have been all these things, but it's, it's really the media that pushes us, you know, like now things are shifting because I think that there's more awareness behind like mm -hmm. the toxic masculinity and all of those things, things have shifted within the last five, 10 years. But at the time when you're, when your heroes are the rock and uh, you know, um, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and all these really big guys with machine guns, bah, 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 you know, it's like, yeah, there's going to be a natural push and drive to be these things, but I think things are changing. Right. Well, and just aside from that, I don't think it's just the media because I think all of us as individuals, we create the media, right? We yes. are the media because... It's what we're attracted to. Right. Well, the media wouldn't be around if we didn't support it in some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you brought that up because it's like, if you felt like you had someone to talk to or express these things to in your inner circle... Maybe you would have done things differently. You said, you know, nobody told me that. I, I'm glad you said that because you brought up birth control for women. I didn't know anything about birth control until I was 23, and now I'm 26, and I I didn't I didn't have a hormonal birth control. To find out that hormonal birth control puts you in menopause, how is my 26 year old body going to react to menopause? You know, and so. I just think that there are so many things that we don't know that we should be questioning, that we should be exploring. And the fact that, you know, someone would have something negative to say about that, that unfortunate event for you, um, is just like really takes a look at how we feel about ourselves is how we project it upon other people. You know, somebody who right. is to say anything nasty to you, that's how they feel about themselves, you know? So anybody right. who's to say, you're not a man or whatever they say, that's how they feel. But you don't have to be anything other than Jonathan Palmer to be a man. You don't have to have biological children. You can still be an amazing father, an amazing dad, and still pass on that legacy because you're passing on your legacy to every single person that you meet regardless. And exactly. people don't, they don't realize that. Exactly. So. And, I, and I think it's amazing that you say that because it's just like, I've actually found that the, the, the things that you believe would make you the least manly like being vulnerable and talking about some of these subjects i was very concerned before i, I went public with some of this information because the concern was you know how are people going to look at me how are people what are people going to think it's just like you project this image and but it's because i recognize that as a kid i needed somebody that was a big guy i needed somebody that did project this masculinity long hair like beard you know i needed somebody that looked like me to tell me hey, listen, it's not this, it's not that, it's not the other. It's not the muscle, it's not the confidence on camera. It's not, that's what I was thinking. John, 14, 18 years old, what, what did he need to hear to understand that, like, listen, none of these things will make you a man. And that's what I tried to accomplish with that post. And 
and you know, thank God it was successful. And I think that the message did reach a lot of people because, but it was just me projecting myself. There was just an audience of people that just happened to, to resonate with it. And, and it's, it's, it's beautiful that, that social media sometimes, you know, like we do vilify, we do um, put a lot of, cast a lot of negative light, but this is one of those scenarios where it's actually um, been very healing and a huge positive because I had a place to talk about this and hopefully, you know, touch some people, but also be touched by some of the messages expressed, you know, so it's, it's been a beautiful thing. Really happy that I did it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so thank you for doing that and sharing your message because that's part of what's making the world right now change is by creating that space for other people to feel like they can talk about things because there's no such thing as being a man or being a woman. There is no such thing. We created that concept. But when people think that, then they start to put people in boxes. You should be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. But like, like for me, I'm a mindset coach helping heal subconscious trauma, specifically in men. But there's no different process that I use for men or women. I'm just opening more of a space for men because generally society has told them that they don't have a space. So what do we do? We need to create space for each other and we create space by first uh, being an example. And so you're really being an example by making your own posts and coming on here because so many people are gonna listen to this and, and really resonate with that. And so you talked about the seven or eight months where you kind of grieved or went through this process. Can you tell us a little bit what that was like and how you got from that point to this point now? Yeah, like uh, being completely candid, it was uh, the biggest battle was between me and uh, my wife at the time, you know, like, since things have kind of like, we've separated because she was the, the thing that a lot of people don't talk about is like the person on the other side, you know, like, um, and I want to bring cast more light on this. Um, women are typically believed to be the ones that are infertile. They're the ones that will go get the test and kind of like, figure out but a lot of men don't you know like only I read the statistic where it's like only like 29% of men will will test to see if they're the ones that create the the, the infertility challenge when they account for almost exactly 50% of infertility wow. so um, you know they're not getting tested they cast blame on the women a lot from what I've seen what I've read and um, I think that's unfair because men do account for a large portion of that. Um, the other conversation that's not being had enough is like how the partner feels throughout this experience. It is never the burden of your partner to have to go through this process with you. You know, one conversation that I had with her and I was very blunt is I was like, listen, I understand if you want to have biological children, it is not my role to tell you, you have to go down this path with me. You know, if you want to have biological children, if this marriage was not what you were anticipating, listen, you know, like, I didn't know. I didn't know that this was my my burden to carry, but I am being responsible for the fact that I, it was self-inflicted. It wasn't that I was born this way necessarily. I know what I could have done, and there's a high probability that my mistake caused this. So there was a lot of, like, tears, and there was a lot of talk and therapy to kind of decide, like, where do we go from here? And ultimately, I felt better knowing that she still has that opportunity and things will work out for me. And LinkedIn has been very healing because being able to turn to a lot of people and kind of create a voice on that platform, it kind of almost feels like, you know, somebody's looking out for you because everything's worked out okay for me. And the best part about it is I start to recognize, man, if I had a kid right now, like sometimes I see people creating video content and, you know, like talking about their own children and everything. I'm like, you know, sometimes like God has a way of finding everything works out the way it was supposed to. And, and I'm very confident about that. 
So yeah, there's a lot of conversations we need to have, you know, like, is it the burden of the partner to carry? Um, are we, are we doing the test to ensure that it is my fault, your fault, or not fault, but, you know, respond, whatever word you want to use, you know, there's right. a lot more we could be doing and more conversations we could be having. Got it. Okay. Wow. So because of this whole event, thank you for that. Um, cause you brought up so many good questions and I wish we could go through them all in this whole time span because this is like, <laughs> I'm just like dumping so everything. Yeah. No, this is so <laughs> wonderful. Um, well, wonderful in a sense, right? Yes, 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 right yes. Now. I've, I've created distance. We're good. We're good. <laughs> you created, you've, you've created distance and yet held space, you know, for your story yes. and, and for others to, to heal in that space as well. So I, I think, you know, you brought up some really good points when we are going through life and we have things unexpectedly that hit us because you, you know, usually like, do we want to have kids? Do we not want to have kids is something that's should be talked about maybe before marriage. Cause if one person's about it, one person's not, well, you kind of know where that road's going to go, but if you're like, mm, you're both really kind of just open to it and then you decide that and then, okay, now we can't, what do we do? You know, right. that's not usually something that I think anybody goes into a, a to happen. Right. I think it's going to not. So the fact that, you know, this has caused you both to split, but you are, so you are separated now. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so, but you for yourself found it healthier to just to say, you know, like, I'm not going to force you to follow along with me. I want you to be able to have this experience and you're trusting in the universe that this is, you know, what's meant to happen. And I think that's, I think that's a really beautiful thing. Cause it's, I mean, I, I make it sound easy now. No, no, I totally understand. Yeah. It wasn't, I totally understand. It wasn't an easy decision. No, and I'm yeah. obviously talking about it very lightly, obviously for anyone here, we know that breakups yes, yes. and separations especially are so difficult that this whole thing is not, surface level like we're making it seem right right right, right. yeah been, never want to downplay that because no, somebody no. will struggle with it and just be like dude this guy makes it sound like it's been it's been a cake walk <laughs> but yeah you know obviously yeah it was hard it was tough conversations but we've come out of it both uh, very healed from the whole thing right well because you know i don't know if you've ever listened to byron katie hmm. okay well i'll send you her audible after but she is a just a kind of person who has four questions and it's all about kind of assessing reality and accepting reality for what it is. And essentially like when we fight reality, that's when we suffer. You know, if it's, if it's raining on me and I say, Oh my God, which well, it shouldn't be raining on me. Well, that's ridiculous because it is right. You can't deny reality. Everything that's happening is happening. So it should be happening. Right. And exactly. so it's different things. It's obviously you want to give yourself space to grieve and to go through pain um, and everything like that but how long are you going to, to sit in it? Or, you know, when are you going to change your perspective? And so for you, can you just kind of outline, like, is there any specific things that you did in order to help yourself with the grieving process? Like you mentioned therapy, was there anything else that kind of really aided in that? Yeah, I think people need to, people need to take more responsibility for their own mistakes. And I found that that was the biggest step that I needed to take. I'm sure that I could have called mommy and daddy and said, you know, like, I can't believe this is happening to me, this and that. But it's like, as like the moment that you take acceptance and responsibility for what happened, you begin the process of healing. Mm -hmm. Once you close the door and say, okay, this, this was my call. It wasn't a coach. It wasn't another wrestler. It wasn't nobody injected me. I injected me. I think it's different when you put these things into your body directly 
you understand like there was a price to play, pay, there was always a chance, you always took a risk. But when I look at my entire story and I look at it, all my experiences, like I have to recognize the fact like there are some amazing things that I've done in my life that, no, that people, I worked with my heroes, I got to meet my heroes, I got to be on television with them, I have this amazing opportunity with LinkedIn right now, I feel like I'm living a dream. Like the moment that you don't take acceptance, you don't accept gratitude for all the things you do have and you don't look at, so I guess it's just, and also looking at all the opportunities I have through adoption. You know, like I remember in December, um, like my first adoption center and like I was in tears, like looking at some of these kids, the situations that they're in, it reminded me of when I was a kid. And I think that that, you know, is kind of like my end game. That's how I'm gonna be a man. I'm gonna take a kid that was like me and I'm gonna be able to like get the spatula out and show him that he can cook too, you know, and like- Oh my God, I don't know why I thought of it like, I'm gonna give him a spanking. I don't know why I associated like, I'm gonna be, be so with that. No, 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 like, no, no, I don't no. know why I thought of like discipline and spanking, but I must have like some- Right, right, right. I mean, it's a spe- <laughs> like, I guess we know how you, I guess we know how you were disciplined as a spatula, yeah. <laughs> No, but like, honestly, like, I feel like that's going to be, I mean, if there was a narrative, I know like our lives are not like books, they're not like stories, you know, but if there was like resolution to this whole thing, it'd be that, that if I have the opportunity to take a kid that, you know, maybe he didn't receive the love that he wanted and I can kind of give that to him, then listen, does it, does the kid have to look like me? Not necessarily. It'd be cool. Sure. Would have loved that, but it doesn't bring me down one inch. And I think that that's really how I've kind of started to embrace my own manlyhood, but it certainly did not come the, th- the way that I thought it would. So. Right. Well, it, it's crazy. Cause I think at the end of, at the end of our lives, we'll realize, Oh, everything wasn't what I planned, but it happened as it should. Exactly. Like you said, you know, you met your heroes, you met XXX. If you would have known differently, you might have done differently. But the thing is, we are always doing the best we can with what we know, right? Right. Um, And it's funny that, you you know, you say that's because, like, I never want my own children. I I felt like, I feel like living is quite painful, you know? (laughs) And I just... I just felt like ain't that the truth <laughs> yeah it's just quite painful like I don't want to bring someone into this world and then think that maybe I would pass on some trauma or something to them but had the same idea as you like I don't want to be a parent to one child but maybe I could be an influence to many children right. and how I do that is kind of like with stuff like this helping people as adults heal themselves so that the next generation can do better because you can't expect a child to be more regulated than the adult so if we keep having just dysfunctional families dysfunctional adults we're going to have dysfunctional children that grow up into dysfunctional adults so it starts with us it starts with the healing now and holding that space and just by you coming from your experience and passing that on to whoever through your network through children you are creating a change in the future and, and just better people because you are teaching them what you didn't know. So you're giving right. them those tools. And it's crazy how we can create a legacy by thinking about it like that. I love that. I love that. I think that you like concisely explained exactly what the mission is. Absolutely. Love that. So, wow, we went over a lot here. I really yeah. appreciate you. <laughs> For anyone to say, we're like laughing because it's like we just went through so much traumatic shit in like a 30 minute time period. Like it was like going through a candy store, like, yep, try that. Like, like, like yeah, exactly. Like hit all the hot topics. Just check off the boxes. Yeah. 
It's true. It's true. Right. But, it, but that's how life is. You know, it's, 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 sometimes it, it works out like that. It's just a checklist of experiences, like, you know, but the, the deeper stuff is the stuff that we go through daily, you know, like it's, it's wonderful that we can look back and, and, and kind of see it as, okay, you know, like from my perspective now, it's like, I've gone through the journey and I feel like to some degree I've reached a, a reasonable, you know, uh, destination. But I know that there's people that are listening that are right now, like deep in the trenches of right. some of the most difficult times. And like a word of advice is that I, I do believe that our history has to some degree already been written. So, you know, if there is concern, if you are in the trenches of it, like, please, you know, reach out to me directly. Like I can, I can be there for you because I know what it's been like. Like, yeah, like you have resources like Elise that you can turn to because when you're in the middle of it, let me tell you the one thing that I wish I had was somebody like Elise to talk to that I could have like really deep dive, you know, explained all of this to just somebody to be like a, a positive light that could tell me everything's going to be okay. Sometimes that's the most powerful thing that, that we could be offered. Right. And thank you for saying that. Cause I was just about to ask if you had any advice for people. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's so funny that you say that because um, I have also felt like at the bottom of the bottom. And the one thing that I always say to people is that, you know, you determine what the future is like, right? And so as right. long as you have the thought, this, this hurts now, this sucks now, but it won't always be like this. Just giving yourself that little ray, you know, it helps every single day for things to get better and better. And so that's why I really appreciate you coming on here because just you speaking out gives, it gives other people permission to speak out. So, exactly. Thank you. I do have to say one thing that I do hate. One okay. thing I hate. It's like I'm sure you've seen them in the gym. Yeah, like the personal that has lifelong athlete always been in great shape, just like looks amazing, and they're a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. And then you have another personal trainer who like has had to work their entire life to lose like 50 pounds, like went through a significant struggle to lose weight. Who is the best personal trainer? I am taking the one that had to lose the 50 pounds over the person that has been lifelong in shape. And, and, I, and I view that the same for anybody that is looking for resolution or looking for answers to some of their challenges. Don't turn to somebody that is rah-rah guru, like they have the answers <laughs> to everything, but they've also haven't gone through some of these struggles. You need right. to find somebody that's been deep in the trenches, that has gone through these difficult times because they're going to be able to give you the best advice. You know, don't fall for the people that it's just like, they talk the story, but they haven't lived it. They've read the books, but they haven't been through it. You need to find somebody that's been there because they will have the real answers you're looking for. Right. Well, I, one thing that you just said, they will be able to give you the best advice. I like tend to stray away from people who give advice because I feel like if you're really giving advice besides something like, okay, we're going to teach you how to use LinkedIn correctly. You know, if it's about life shit, I feel like you can, you can always say from your experience, but even if I had the same experience as you, it's not the same, you right. know, so I can tell right. you my experience and like, this is something that I did, but at different points in our lives, we're going to need different things. And sometimes it's like, all you need is a sounding board to go off of. So, right. you know, I think right. it's find someone who resonates with, with you, who has been through similar things and who is at where you want to be kind of like right. you know, your heroes I are because 
if they're not at where you want to be, you're not going to go to a hobo and be like, yo, do, yo dog, teach me about finances. It, just <laughs> yes. doesn't, it doesn't work that. like that, that, you know? You're so, right, you're right, you're right. And at the same time, like, I'm not going to go to a guru who I don't really want to be like them and ask them for, like, words of wisdom because I don't resonate. Right. Like, I need someone right. who's real. I need someone who's actually been there. Right. Said, and so thank you so much for coming on here today. And is there... Okay, I know you already gave some advice, but for anyone at all, is there any other, you know, bits of advice, especially for, actually, let me ask this. Is there something that, you know, your partner could have done for you during that time that maybe would have made it easier or like that you might have advice for partners going through this, the same thing? Yeah, um, one thing that I do appreciate about my partner that I haven't been as lucky with prior in other relationships is when you're being a sounding board, the nice thing about a sounding board is it's not reactive. It doesn't, it doesn't react back, right? So, you know, you're going to have like in your life, whether it's infertility or any other challenge, you're going to have times in your life where you're going through something very emotional. And the best thing that you could do is listen, but do not emotionally react. Right. Let the person speak out, but don't take things personally. Don't, don't take things as, understand that somebody's going through a grieving process. Understand that somebody might be having like this existential crisis, but your job as the sounding board is not to emotionally react. And I got lucky that my partner, despite whatever mean thing that I might've said in the moment, despite however angry, sad, weird I was acting, never emotionally reacted. It made the experience so much easier for me. So I'd say that when searching for a sounding board, understand quickly, it might not be mom and dad. They were actually terrible choices for me. Mm -hmm. But having a partner that just understood and let me speak out and didn't emotionally react was such a, a blessing. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for saying that because that's something that I didn't even realize that I was doing to my partner at first was emotionally, like taking it personally, what they're like, it's not about you. Right. So right. thank you for exactly. saying that. And thank you for also saying like, my parents weren't a good choice to talk to because just because someone is close to you, friends and family right. doesn't mean right. that they're the person you should go to. Or that, that was something my therapist had taught me is that, you know, not everyone deserves to hear your story or can be the support you're searching for. So maybe even yes. your partner is not the one you want to talk to. Maybe you do want to speak to a therapist. Your partner is not your therapist. They're two totally different people, you know? Right. So right. always learn to, to have that foundation of, I can go to this person for this. I can go to this person for this. And even if that one person can't support you for everything, it doesn't mean that they can't support you at all. So exactly. just for people who are like all or nothing, like, no, have multiple people so that nobody gets overwhelmed, you know, and you find what you're looking for. I love that. And it's such a great point. Yes. So, okay. Well, <laughs> I want to thank you so much for, for being here with us today, Jonathan. Um, pleasure to have you. For anybody listening, thank you so much. You have space for either Jonathan or I to come and talk to you. I'll link below in the description places, other places to go, maybe for therapy or, you know, hotlines, anything like that. But I would love to do this actually again sometime because you have so many great points. Uh, yes. Next time live. Are you coming back to Miami or are you, are you staying over I'm coming there? back. No, I'm coming back to Miami. Okay. Okay. Good. Next yeah. time we'll be in person and we'll live, we'll do a live stream. Yes. I love that. I would love that. Absolutely. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much. And thank you guys for listening. And we'll see you next time.